Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. I'm Tim. And I'm Marshall. Marshall, I got something to show you. You got something to show me? Like a surprise? My cup of coffee. Ooh. Oh, what do you got there? <laughs> I know, as soon as I read a couple of the words, I was like, I know exactly what that is. Yeah. So there's a story behind this. <laughs> last year, during, maybe even this time last year, mm-hmm. uh, we were doing the history we were. for the podcast. We were. And my father-in-law, who is the other listener. Um, <laughs> so you got your aunt and your father-in-law. Right. right. <laughs> it's just your family. <laughs> yeah, we, we, have, we have two listeners and like 12 to 24 people have claimed one of those two spots. <laughs> um, actually, I think Alex told me the numbers are like 60-ish every week. Okay. And at cool. some point in the last four years, like maybe 450 unique people have oh, clicked on at some point. Anyway. Okay, cool. Anyway, so we were doing the podcast. We were in the Victorian era, mm-hmm. and we talked about the one and the only. The Spurge. C.H. Spurgeon. Yep. And we made jokes about how people should buy us Spurgeon memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> Did someone buy that? And he you? and my mom <laughs> scoured the internet looking for those bobbleheads we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. And couldn't find anything that weren't people like doing the whole like, I found one, nobody makes them, so you can pay way more than a person should yeah, ever pay. Yeah, ridiculous, yeah. Those scalpers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway. Uh, he did find this mug, and he bought it for me, and he's kept it, knowing that someday I would return. So he's he kept it, it for like me. a year? Yeah, but here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I showed up, and he's like, so I got you a mug. It's a Spurgeon mug. Um, I don't know where it's at, and we've remodeled the house since then. Did you go on like a treasure hunt for this? He had been for a while. <laughs> and and let me tell you, my mom did this class. Like, I don't want to get into stereotypes and everything. That's okay. But my mom did this classic woman thing. Yeah. Where obviously she hid it from him. Okay. Right? Because women do this. They hide like the ketchup. Something simple. <laughs> and they leave you searching everywhere for it. Treat you like an idiot when you can't find it. And then they go and put it in the most obvious spot and go, see, it was here all along. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. You get joy from it, I think. Yeah. No, but that's great. Surely, surely it's not that we can't so, find the so ketchup. So I'll, I'll read the quote right here. So just for those of you who don't remember, it says, growing a beard is a habit most natural, scriptural, manly, and beneficial. Mm-hmm. Spurgeon. The ironic thing is that he is the, the quote unquote prince of preachers and probably the most famous, if not the most famous, ba- he's got to be the most famous Baptist. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I yeah. feel like I'm hard pressed to find a Baptist Someone who's explicitly bad, yeah. So he's mm-hmm. he's up there, but what's what I find wild is there are groups of of Baptists. Oh, yeah. um, I haven't I haven't met any here, but I've seen some online south of the border that are like 
if a man grows a beard, God won't hear their prayers. Like it's like the like, really? and I'm no I like and honestly, like I'm not even joking. Like I've seen videos. I have to I'll have to send there was one that was just really was hilarious almost how ridiculous it was. It's like you're gonna die on the hill that a man shouldn't have a beard. So if our two listeners I don't even know where that comes from. Like scripturally, like yeah. how do you even how do you even like I realize that there are different Christian groups that have peculiar beliefs based on sometimes wrenching a part of scripture out of context. Right. But like, you can still kind of like under, you can kind of trace the understanding of like, okay, so this is why they got there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but like with that, I, I don't know, but it's not that Preser- it, preservation of pol- personal culture. I guess it's just, yeah, it has to be wild to me. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say this. If our two listeners are Stan and Mitzi, you have to be careful saying south of the border because they're going to think Mexico. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. South of the, yeah, south of the less controversial border, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Although it got kind of controversial over the last couple of years, but that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. So, um, what we're actually here for. What we're actually here to do in our mini series, within our apologetic series, our mini series on beauty. Today we're going to be talking about scripture itself. Yeah. The, Is scripture beautiful? The beauty of having a holy text, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Because there's there are a lot of people out there who come at even the notion of following mm-hmm. a holy text, mm-hmm. right? Uh, for a number of reasons. We'll, we'll get into them, right? Like that you would allow a text to help you make your decisions, right. uh, that you would give credence to a text that's ancient, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that that is, such a text could even be preserved. All of these things right, are... Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of pushback against this idea about, you know, the Bible being beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And... And it's an interesting thing because, I mean, we've, it's actually, it it made me think, and I just thought of this now, but um, I remember our discussion about the King James Version in the history episode, Mm -hmm. where in the translation, when they were trying to kind of render it into the English language, you know, an understandable version of the English language at that time period, um, that they wanted it to read beautifully, right? They wanted to communicate that beauty. Um, And... You know, I I have a bit of Hebrew, I have a bit of Greek. Um, I'm not an expert. I, you know, I'm not going to be writing textbooks on either one of those fields anytime soon or probably ever. Um, nevertheless, um, you know, much of Scripture was written to be beautiful, and so I find it just interesting that like that trying to keep that beauty in our modern translations has was an effort from kind of the very beginning, at least from those translations in the English language. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because, because people don't want to, because even then they understood that beauty should not be separated from what they were reading and what they were studying. Right. That there was an, a signi- there is a, there was a significant desire to retain um, a I don't know, literary beauty. Right, right. Yeah, and so, and, and when you look at the Bible itself, it, it cares about genre and literary beauty. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. Right? Of course. Uh, I, I think 
most most people are going to take that and they're just going to race straight to Psalms. Sure. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a neat. That's kind of the low hanging fruit. Not yeah. not a bad place to be. Not at all. Um, but even even within other texts, things that are stripped away because of our cultural shift. Sure. But were designed specifically to be aesthetic in how they were said. Mm-hmm. Right. Genesis has a lot of poetry mm-hmm. inside of its prose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Isaiah. Mm. Probably, in in my opinion, right there with, if not sometimes just a beyond David's eloquence in the way that he words things and just um, his ability to to paint a picture with words. Um, mm. So, Job is an epic poem, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and so there's there's so much, even inside of scripture. That's designed in the way that it's presented mm-hmm. to be beautiful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no. There's there's all sorts of literary features that I think, yeah, we, and we've talked a little bit about them, uh, about how they how they sometimes aren't retained, right? Like, I'm like, you know, um, in a lot of the, the poetry and the, the the songs in scripture, right? There is there's like a rhyming scheme mm-hmm. in the original language that obviously doesn't hold up. In English, right? right. Um, like if I've I've heard, um, and I realize that like kind of modern modern Hebrew is not necessarily the same as as ancient Hebrew, but um, I heard there was a video I found online years ago now, but it was a a, a family. They were ethnically ethnically Jewish but but Christians singing one of the psalms at this big gathering in Israel. I think the pope was there or something, whatever. Anyways, but but singing the psalms in Hebrew, all of a sudden you're like you, when you hear it, you know, not that my Hebrew is so good that I can like follow along and be like, "Oh yes, of course, that's psalm whatever." I, right. My Hebrew's not there. Uh but nevertheless, there was just this like beauty of it. And you're like, "Oh wow, like that is that is different than what we mm-hmm. read, right? It itself becomes euphonious, right? Yeah, like exactly. A pleasing sound. Yeah, yeah, and and some of it, some of it's just like deeper dive kind of things that you're going to find inside sure. of inside of poems and mm-hmm. and literary great literary works, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so when I say that there's poetry inside of Genesis, a lot of people hear that and and they jump into the whole like. Well, then you're not reading it literally. You're saying it can mean whatever. Right, no, right. It, it's it's just the way the words are arranged. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. words are arranged in such a way as to constitute a poem. Yeah, uh, not an uncommon thing even today mm-hmm. for for these kinds of things to take place or or along the way historically. So, mm-hmm. right because we're in, in Stratford. Yeah, everyone here, like being being a citizen of Stratford for two years, mm-hmm. gives you an associate's degree in Shakespearean <laughs> studies. Uh, because we all live at the festival. Sure, yeah. yeah nobody can afford to go to the festival. <laughs> they all come in from Toronto you, and from Detroit. You got to get the cheap, you got to get the cheap dates. You got to, you got <laughs> to, lo- local tip, there's the pay what you want week. Yeah. Like there's a week when you can pay yeah. what you want. Yeah. Um, but when it's I, like in January. When I was under, they had a special deal when, when Candace and I were uh, a little bit younger than we are now. Uh, if you were under 30, you'd get cheap tickets. 
Yeah. Like you had to like prove that you were you were under 30 but yeah you could get cheap there were cheap nights there were usually like tuesdays and thursdays right but Mm -hmm. but nevertheless right we we took we took full advantage of that we used to see a lot of we haven't seen a lot of shows recently but we used to see yeah usually a couple a year at least but it's a thing that shakespeare would do that he that Mm -hmm. even english speakers Mm -hmm. sometimes would miss like some of the dialogue in romeo and juliet Mm -hmm. if you if you take out a portion of dialogue you realize that's a sonnet Mm. Like this conversation being had is is structured as a sonnet, mm-hmm. which is a form of poetry mm-hmm. uh, written inside of the prose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are there are all kinds of those little tricks in there. It's it's oh yeah, it's interesting, right? Like a lot of people look to the Bible and they're like, these are literally sheep herders mm-hmm. and fishermen, mm-hmm. and what. What right do they have even recording these things? And you realize, you know, like not only do they record it, but they're they're pretty sophisticated yeah. in how it's written. Yeah, and I wanted to speak to the thing you said about um, how sometimes acknowledging the poetry in Scripture will get those who, like us, would affirm the you know infallibility of Scripture kind of bent out of shape. Mm-hmm. But but here's an interesting. But that is a cultural thing. So this I didn't realize I was going to say this any of this, but the Lord lines things up. Uh, it was like yesterday morning. I, I'm listening on my drive to, of course, a military history podcast because that's I'm, it's my. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed, guys. It's a it's a problem. But anyways, it was a medieval history um, thing, and they were talking about certain accounts of certain battles being recorded poetically. Mm-hmm. And they said what they what they made very clear. And these are a couple like world-renowned professors. One's from the Citadel, if you know what that is. It's yeah, a yeah. military college. The other one is a professor elsewhere. But anyways, um, but they were talking about how in, in, in ancient times, like putting things down poetically was actually a really good way of retaining the integrity of the message mm-hmm. because it was easier to remember. It needs to and, fit within rhyme and meter. And you couldn't mess with it the same way. Right. Because people be like, I know the poem and that's not how it goes. Right. Right. And so, whereas just kind of like a, like just a, you know, a factual account, like if, you know, if later on people mess with the details, you could be like, well, it, it, it could be lost on you. Whereas if you know the poem, if you know how it flows, that was a way of kind of retaining the truth. So what they said is, look, look, like today we look at poetry as being a form of literature that obscures truth in our modern Western culture. They said that was not what how it was throughout most of human history. In fact, poetry was typically used in, in a way to kind of illuminate and preserve mm-hmm. truth. So right. to say that the the Genesis account is poetic and also true is is okay. <laughs> Just for anyone right. who's getting a and little worked up. I, I it, think it, the, it, that's it is. <laughs> the mic the mic drop statement on that, the mic drop rebuttal to people who get upset that you would talk about poetry and factuality working together is for for Bible believers specifically is just to point to Psalm. Yeah, and be like, there's yeah. no denying that the Psalms are lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yet yeah. you wouldn't deny the Psalms, right? Of course right. Not. So why would why not. would you do that in another context? Right. When right. you so gladly receive it here, mm-hmm. it just mm-hmm. it really doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. So so people push back against this idea of Scripture being beautiful, particularly like I mean, non-believers obviously. 
um, people who kind of reject the authenticity and Mm -hmm. authority and truthfulness of the Bible. Um, You know, they'll say it's outdated. It's, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. Right. Um, You know, people will sometimes will point to like, you know, that, Oh, it's been corrupted. The game of telephone. We've, we've addressed the whole, the whole game of telephone thing on multiple occasions mm-hmm. um, in various moments during during this podcast. Um, but you know what? I still, like, even maybe maybe like a month ago, mm. heard heard someone just mockingly throwing it out there. Like, have you ever played telephone at a birthday party and seen how bad it can go wrong? Now imagine playing that for 2,000 years. Yeah. Right? And you're yeah. just like, that's you're like, It's not so what it small, is. It's right? like the, ga- the game is you get something you copy it word for word. You, you pass s- out. You pass, pass out it. a written copy to everyone in the room. And if anyone recognizes that there's any errors, you burn it. Like right, <laughs> and you start over. Like that. That's not telephone. That's a totally different right. game. And then, <laughs> and then at the next party, three of you are going to go, and you're going to take your written copies with you. Yeah, yeah, and do the same thing again. Right. Like yeah. Like it's like it's like if you were in a class and your test was to copy a particular you know chapter of a book word for word. Um, and you had it with you and you could double check the whole time mm-hmm. that that's what it is. Right. So like, you know, like it's just, yeah, that, that people continue to use and there's other copies floating around. Like, so that people continue to use that is, is a bit of a grasping at straws thing. But I think there are the, the issues of it being old, it mm-hmm. being, we might say odd to our modern ears in some ways, or it being confusing to us at times in certain ways, oh, you know, those are things worth addressing. If people say, well, those are barriers for me to seeing the beauty of scripture. Well, we can, you know, those are things that we can, we can talk about. Right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I think the, I think the first thing that we would talk about would be the old. Right. Right. Like, is it, is it beautiful to have an ancient text? Mm-hmm. I would point then to, to fantasy as a genre. Hmm. Okay. Right? What are you always looking for? The old thing. Oh, yeah. An ancient thing. Yeah. It's always an ancient thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you interested in a story that's like, hey, last week this guy wrote a memo? We're going to find it. <laughs> We're going to find it because we want to know what it says. Right? right? Unless right. it's a conspiracy mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You wouldn't be like words of truth mm-hmm. that this guy just thought up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, they're always, you're always looking for the ancient thing you desire it. And it's always leather bound mm. and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and mm-hmm. it's being desired by good and evil. Mm-hmm. Evil wants to destroy it. Good mm-hmm. wants to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. This is just a common thing, whether it's a book mm-hmm. or a ring. Right. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. And I think, yeah, we, we long for that, that kind of ancient, um, commentary that ancient witness mm-hmm. and insight to things, right? Like it's it's because there's something about that that connects us with our ancestors. So again, I, again, not wasn't planning on saying this. That exact same podcast I was talking about, they did an episode on um, the siege of Rhodes. So essentially, where it's like the the knights hospitaller who were left over from the crusades had set up on this island and the massive ottoman empire tried to conquer them multiple times and mm-hmm. essentially failed but what they what they were kind of bereaving was the fact that we don't have any accounts from the ottoman side from the turks 
right? We just have these written accounts from the these European knights and uh, who were outnumbered like 700 to 50,000. It was outrageous. Anyways, but one of their listeners who is, happens to be a grad student in Turkey is like, guess what, guys? They actually found an account <laughs> in Ottoman Turkish. It needs to be translated, mm-hmm. but like, I'll keep you posted. And so they mentioned that on a later episode. And these guys were ecstatic because now all of a sudden they have this ancient witness to this event that they've been longing for. Right. right. And so it yeah. was it was satisfying something they wanted because they're like, we want to know what happened. And it feels lost to us. And now suddenly because of this document that's, you know, that's been that's been discovered and will soon be translated, um, there's there there can now be illuminated into what it was that happened. Right. So I think the fact that scripture provides us with insight, it doesn't give us all the answers, it doesn't give us all the details, and it's not merely a historical account it's more than that and has a mm-hmm. different goal than that and yet it still provides us with this this really beautiful and wonderful insight into you know the origins of humanity and ancient history and all of these things that happen and that's a beautiful thing right and you can you see it you see it in history Mm-hmm. That we're obsessed with digging in the sandbox to find out what's there, right? Yeah, yeah. Those kinds of those kinds of things. People people can obsess over history as a society. We're we're digging back, mm-hmm. trying to find out more. So so we see it in historical studies. We see it in uh, literary studies, mm-hmm. right? Um, when when you have a writing, like take Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? At one point. A young Luke looks at Obi Wan and says, "You fought in the Clone Wars," and it's a it's a passing line. It right. meant very little, mm-hmm. and people are like, "We gotta we gotta write the Clone Wars now." Yeah, right? what's that about? We yeah. need to we need to backfill, <laughs> yeah. right? And so, like, Star Wars is a great example it of is. this not going well because. <laughs> It's so disjointed in his timeline right. because there's this thing and people are like, no, we want a history we need of to the know. thing, yeah. right? Video games mm-hmm. are big on like throwing backwards. What's oh, an yeah. origin story oh, yeah. of how we got to this place where we are? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was written to be a standalone book. Mm-hmm. People wanted more. And Lewis is like, well, what's the most desirable more thing to have? The magician's nephew. The magician's nephew. You've got to have the origin story. How did everything come to be? Yeah, Lord of the Rings has the Silmarillion, right? Like all of these, they all have these things, right? And and all these these famous um, literary works... Yeah, like people long for it. I mean, I'm I'm that way. As someone who appreciates a good story, particularly in the the kind of fantasy genre, although I I continue to lament the fact that I just don't have time Mm -hmm. to enjoy that right now in my life. I'm too busy reading books that my profs want me to read. Uh, But one day, one day, folks, I will get back into it. Um, Yeah, even even like I've I've been talking about too much about the Wing Feather Saga. Oh, right. No, as it pro- much as it progresses, mm-hmm. it is also doing its own prequel inside of it, yeah. right? Like explaining backstory. That's what you want. Yeah. And and in but not only in literature, we also do this in science. Well, of course, yeah. We've talked science about that too, has yeah. constantly like w- as much as we're studying the future, people acknowledge the best way to figure out future is to figure out past and where mm-hmm. it all came from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bio- biology, chemistry, 
physics, all of these fields of science, throwing backwards, trying to find origin stories, where it came from and how it came about, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. this is a meaningful thing mm -hmm. inside of the human experience. Yeah. Who we are, we, we have this innate knowledge that who we are is dependent on where we came from. Right. Right? right. Ancestry.com. Yeah, makes a fortune off of this yeah. kind of a thing where people just want to know, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We want to know and we want to associate with the past. So, so that we would look back and see an ancient text as a useful, treasurable thing mm -hmm. is more reasonable than for someone to just be like, "That's an old book." So what do it, you? It I doesn't don't matter. It's an old book. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. No. Right. Really, if you if you genuinely don't, you probably hold the minority opinion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, maybe yeah. maybe not on the particular text, mm -hmm. but on the concept of an origin story. Right. That is a peculiarly minority mm -hmm. position and might speak more to your age and where your stage of life yeah. than actually like yeah. your place within a broader society. That's, yeah, that's that's also true. Yeah. So I mean, beyond the the ancient nature of scripture that makes it kind of beautiful and desirable. Um, it's also harmonious and unified in its message, right? And that's a, that's a big deal, right? Considering mm -hmm. that it, you know, it's written over the course of 1500 plus years, right? Um, depending on when you date Moses, which is a, a debate, but whatever, over a long period of time by, you know, dozens of authors, various genres, you know, different historical and social contexts, right? Like, Moses writing the book of the law in the wilderness is a different context than David writing the Psalms in the in his palace in Jerusalem mm -hmm. versus, you know, Paul writing letters from prison in Rome. You know what I mean? So it's just very, you know, so, but all of it just lines up so beautifully. Like there's just a harmony there. And what you get in heart, like what, if you think about musically, what harmony is, is harmony is different things. Um, different thing, like a combination of different notes that come together to, to make something sound beautiful. Right. Right. And so on their own, you're like, okay, that's a note, that's a note, that's a note. And then, but it's when you bring them together. Right. And so you have a melody that, you know, tends to kind of follow things and is understandable. And, you know, you're like, okay, that's the melody. That's, that's nice. That's good. Harmonies on their own might seem disjointed and odd, but once you bring them together, then the the you bring you bring those different notes together all of a sudden you're like oh no this is this is so beautiful this is so great right when you bring the you know the historical books of genesis like like genesis and connect that with the prophecies in isaiah and then also with jesus's you know life and teachings in the gospel and then also with the you know with the writings of paul in the epistles and you bring those notes together they make this beautiful chord yeah, and, and I, I think part of the beauty in that is that the job that they are trying to do, especially when you look at the epistles and, mm. and the gospels, is not to say, oh, this thing was said, and we have to make sense of it mm. in our current context, and so we're going to adjust, right? They're literally writing letters just to encourage each other, mm -hmm. right? Mm. But e even in doing that, we're able to see the perfect continuity of a single story mm -hmm. being played out mm -hmm. as if by a single author, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
which is not true of other sacred texts. Right. The Quran, mm-hmm. there is an interpretive doctrine inside of the study of the Quran about how to deal with things that are identifiably contradictory. Right. Right? right? Yep. There's the doctrine of those things said later mm-hmm. are more true. Mm-hmm. I would argue you can't have more true and less true. It's like true-false exam, right? If they're contradictory, there's a real problem. Right, right. Right, and so and so. whereas in Christian theology, we worked towards identifying the continuity, mm-hmm. they just would give up and say, no, this matters more than that does mm-hmm. because it's later, yeah. it's later revelation. Mm-hmm. The exact same is true with the Mormons. Right. Most people think of the Mormons, I think of Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. uh, they're like another five books that come after that. Mm -hmm. The Book of Mormon is very Trinitarian. Mm -hmm. The Pearl of Great Price is anti-Trinitarian. Right? Okay. And the Mormons are Mm anti-Trinitarian. Right? And so those later revelations stand above the previous revelations Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. they're not able to maintain a continuity. Right, right. Right? Um, So... Well, they're not really revelations unless they're demonic, well, demonic revelations. Sure, yeah, I, might, I get it, but be. their claim, right? Yes, I, their, I, I their, know their what you claim, mean. their statement would be the later revelations. I, know. I just feel like they would call them revelations. <laughs> no, I, I, you're right. You're right. Uh, so I, I would say one, it's not necessarily a job that they're trying to do, mm. but I would say also, in a lot of ways, especially if you want to pick at Star Wars again, okay. uh, whose explicit goal was to create sort of harmony within the storylines and studied toward that specific goal Mm. might have less continuity and less less sort of flow even than these things that were done over thousands of years. Yeah, rather than just a few decades, yeah. Right. No, you're right. And and, um, no, I think that's a... That's a really good point. And I think, too, like, I mean, for Christians who might be listening and saying, okay, but, like, they're, you know, who are saying, well, but there are, there do seem to be discontinuities in, like, the commands or whatever. Like, we understand that, like, actually within Scripture we see, you know, oh, there is this, the ceremonial legal system, and the ceremonies are fulfilled in Christ. So, like, Scripture explains when things come to fruition and to fulfillment. So there's reasons why Christians are free to eat whatever they want when, you know, the ancient Israelites weren't. Right. And that's fully explained and unpacked. Like, that, that's a thing that you see right. happening throughout. And so it's not like, a well, later on they say it's good, and before, so what was said before doesn't matter. And it's like, no, 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 what, what was said before matters. Mm-hmm. Like, the laws given to Israel mattered. They were true. But but within the scope of the framework, as you follow along, you see, oh, there's a fulfillment happening, and there's a movement on to something else. Yeah, and, and, and this gets way too much weight. Mm. This gets way too much weight. Um, let's, take, let's take what is uh, objectively Tolkien's greatest work. Mm. Just because that's what not going to rile anyone up. Say? The Hobbit, of course. Okay. <laughs> right? What else is there? <laughs> If you if you take that right and you say okay we have Bilbo Baggins, mm-hmm. at the beginning, 
He's a coward. He doesn't want to do adventures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's just sort of hanging out. He wants to have his multiple lunches and breakfasts yep. and smoke his pipe on his front step. Yeah. <laughs> and adventure is a dirty word to him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the end, he saves seasoned mm-hmm. warriors. Yeah. If, if you've ever been interested in Tolkien but never dipped in, don't start with Lord of the Rings. Start with The Hobbit. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It, the first chapter will lock you in. It's <laughs> oh yeah, one of probably so, the best first chapter. It's so funny, probably the best first chapter in all of literature. <laughs> so good. Um, anyway, you can't look to Bilbo in the first chapter mm-hmm. and say not the same guy, mm. right? Everyone would say, well, no the the purpose of a story mm-hmm. is that you have a person. Mm-hmm. We don't fault them for what they don't know and what they haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. We watch them learn and experience, mm-hmm. and then it's progressed in the end. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with Scripture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. God is revealing to his people mm-hmm. over the course. And so there's places of greater ignorance, teaching, trial, mm-hmm. learnedness, growth, mm-hmm. and a greater understanding, right? Right? That is a pathway through Scripture. So when we when we look back on things and be like, well, people seem to understand it better in the New Testament than they do in the Old Testament, well, of course, you would look to Bilbo and you would say, well, he seems to understand his purpose on the journey better at the end than he does at the beginning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so that, that kind of segues well into another kind of aspect of the beauty of Scripture, which is just the idea of, of story in general, mm-hmm. right? There's the idea of like that, that, the Bible presents a grand narrative. So I got the opportunity. We we do once or twice a year, we do these big um, youth events here in Stratford where kind of the evangelical churches from a broad, broad range. Like, I mean, you've got Pentecostals and Dutch reformed and everything in between. Uh, but people who, people who preach Christ crucified and, and, you know, faith in him as, as salvation. Right. So it's a pretty broad spectrum. Um, but I got the opportunity to teach at one of them. I feel like it was kind of like the guy they wanted wasn't available. So they're like, well, I guess Marshall can do it. <laughs> I think they were a little nervous, but I don't know. I was a pretty, this was a little while ago. So I was we're still relatively new, uh, new quantity on the, on the local market. Anyways, um, but that's what, that's what I spoke on. So I actually, unlike what we normally do where we kind of sit in a passage and work through that, like I actually just, I kind of pr- I preach the whole Bible in, in a 15 minute message and, oh, nice. and w- with the element, w- what I was trying to get across to the kids in a way that they can hopefully understand is that the Bible is a story, but it's a, it's a true story. And it's a story that helps us make sense of our own individual stories mm-hmm. that we actually play with them. And that, you know, because God has, you know, is, is working in us because, you know, because he's, he's given us, you know, his revelation, we're invited to participate in this story. And, um, I mean, I'm not trying to give myself kudos, but it landed well. Right. And, and I got a lot of good feedback because that resonates with people, not just with the kids, but with the leaders too, to understand, okay. Cause we see our, ourselves in light of story. We all have our, what's your story, right? We all have a story. Right. With the ups and the downs and the challenges and the, you know, and, and all of those things. 
And so we view ourselves in light of story and we understand the world around us. We, we think of our nation, whether it's, you know, the United States or Canada or any other nation, there's a story there. And that story kind of, it transcends um, kind of the mundane day-to-day whatever. And so what scripture provides is the story. The story that gives context to all stories, including our own individual stories. And that is beautiful because there it it connects with how we understand the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's not it's not just this like set of it's not a rule book. It's not like God just like downloaded to somebody from heaven, like, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. It's like, no, there's so much more to it. There are laws, there are ethical teachings, there is that, but there's also poetry and songs and history and you know there's there's like convert you know the book of job like just the fact that there's the book of job is just like the craziest thing to me because it's not just the story of a guy who loses everything but then you get his friends who give him like kind of good advice but kind of bad advice and there's the whole like, it's it's just like and it's just so real it's so raw because we've all been there right we've all been right. there in that in that dark spot and people are trying to like to speak to us and some of what they're saying is real and some of what they're saying is and and flawed. even even as the reader mm. from a perspective that is educated through the gospel mm-hmm. and progressive revelation mm-hmm. and not at this point 2000 years but thousands upon thousands of years mm-hmm. of of critical study of the book of Job mm-hmm. still as the reader there are times you're reading through all the advice that he's being given and it's hard it's hard to understand where the good advice and the bad advice yeah. is. And you feel yourself just with Job getting sort of swallowed up in this. And you're like, I've read this before, so I know that this guy's going to get blasted. At the end, yeah. For, give, for giving bad <laughs> advice. But yeah. what he's saying right now in the moment kind of feels good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just it's just very real. It just, it just touches our own experience, right? And like, it's wild because like, obviously these, you know, the, the, the characters in scripture, I mean, even the most recent ones, you know, who lived in the most similar context to us, which was like the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like as, as close as it gets to home is like Rome. There's, like there's nothing, right? But but even then, so it's, it's very distant, very unfamiliar and foreign in some respects. But the, 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 the trials and the tribulations and the the character development and the the curveballs that come into you know the lives of these various people that are being discussed they resonate with us in mm-hmm. a way because there's this timelessness to the story that where we we can again make sense of our story and when i say story i it's the true story right um, right, right it is the truest story because i've had some people kind of push back like why do you keep using the word story or narrative or whatever or when we talked about myth right the true myth and all that kind of stuff but like it's it's true it's just it again it's just god thank i'm so thankful that god provided scripture in the way that he does because it's dive it's unity in diversity um provides us with so many things that we can we can go to yeah i i would say i would say the desire for story within the human spirit is inextricable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're not a person who's given to finding where you are inside of this, the greater story, mm-hmm. then you're interested in writing your own story. Mm-hmm. We receive story on mass, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, kids, what's the best thing you can do for your kids? Tell us a story. Yeah. 
right? My kids, they, they don't do it as much, but like they used to, like we'd be singing at dinner, tell me a story about a time when, and Lindsay and I would just be stumped. We'd be like, okay, um, trying to throw back in our minds, but our, our kids want that. Why? Because they know us better. They understand mm-hmm. us better and who we are and where we came from. They understand their grandparents as they were parents. And, and this isn't like a sophisticated tool that they're trying to unleash at, you know, like four and six, but what they're doing is, is that very thing, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. they're just hardwired for it. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you want to be like, well, you know, I'm not a reader. I don't, I don't get into this. Why do you binge Netflix? Right, yeah. You do it because you want the storyline, not just the episode. Mm. You want the story. Yeah, yeah, And so you watch episode after episode because you want this thing sewn together so that you have a bigger, a better grasp of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And you want Mm -hmm. it all in one. Mm -hmm. And and like I said, people who, who don't, who claim they don't want that, talk a lot about independence and writing your own story, mm. which mm-hmm. you can't. You're always with it. That you have the capacity to write anything of your own story mm-hmm. is the greater story of privilege within the context <laughs> and how did you get to a place of privilege where you can make decisions while right. others didn't. Right. Uh, so it, it, it's always a part of a greater story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where we fit in that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Even, even right now in a culture that... For better and worse, I, I think in, in many ways it can be good. In some ways it's gone too far and it's broken. Mm. But our obsession with letting those people who have historically been silenced mm. come to the forefront and tell their story mm-hmm. is a desire mm-hmm. to hear a story that has not yet been told. Right, right. Right? And and again, that's being done in some really broken ways. Sure, yeah. But you know what? It was, it, it was oppressed in some really broken ways as well. Yeah, for sure. Right? And, and, and it just shows, like, there is a story being told, mm-hmm. and we want to know what that story is. Right. And, and I, I want to take a moment and pull this into the ancientness of it mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Some people will argue for a dismissal of the Bible as a part of that story because of its it's ancient, so it's therefore irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And even if you can say, like you did, right, like there's character development and things mm-hmm. like that that are common and, and recognizable to us, I would say all the more going back into a, a more basic ancient time mm-hmm. gives us the core values of what it means to be human mm-hmm. And how that plays out yeah. over the years. Oh yeah, for right? sure. We have we have a desire, I think, within us to find a kind of almost like within morality in, in society, a mm-hmm. string theory. Right. Okay. Right. What is the most so strength? I throw that out there. Like everybody, like knows everybody knows. Yeah. String theory. String theory is the, the notion that there could be an element, a subatomic element. That is the most basic thing that can be, and all things come from that, mm. right? So not even like protons, neutrons, and electrons yeah. coming together to form an atom, but mm-hmm. what are those things made of? Right, right. And what Deeper are the things that. that those things are made of made of? Right, right. And eventually it comes down to string, which is manipulated and twisted in different ways to become the building block of all things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So 
this is sort of like a, a an argument for a moral string theory, mm-hmm. right? We want the most basic concept of truth, mm. and then we have a measuring stick. Mm-hmm. I can simply understand that this is truth, mm-hmm. and as we chart the story, mm-hmm. we can see where people have ebbed and flowed, mm-hmm. where there's divergence mm-hmm. and realignment, continuity mm-hmm. and discontinuity, mm-hmm. and it make the story doesn't make sense mm. unless I understand the basic structure. Right, and in and in, that's what the Bible is when God's revealing Himself. Mm-hmm. When he reveals himself as the other, the holy, outside of creation, Mm -hmm. creator, yet active within his creation, Mm -hmm. loving father, and where mankind sits within that, Mm -hmm. it's it's a lighthouse. Yeah. Right? Like those things, those things are greater than an argument for relevance. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they are always, they're the constant. They right. are always there at all times. Mm-hmm. It's the string theory. Yeah. And no matter how complex an organism, in string theory, no matter how complex something might be, mm-hmm. it is still made up of those common blocks. Right. And that is, that is the argument for Scripture. Not, this was good for those people back then, mm-hmm. but... This is who God is mm-hmm. and who we are. And everything else is just an expression of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, like the other thing that people might fail to realize is um, is the impact that Scripture has had on history, mm-hmm. you know, on our history, how relevant it is today, right? Like to live in a society where you can publicly disparage the predominantly, you know, recognized scriptural text, like the, have the freedom to do that without fear of being murdered. Um, that exists in one type of society, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, so, so I think in, this is something that like, I think a lot of, you know, Western people just fail to recognize is the reason why, certain parts of the world are better to live in than others. Like there's a common denominator. Yeah. Like there, there is right now. Now, obviously there's, there's been times where, you know, the truth of scripture has been shrouded or corrupted or misapplied. Like I, I, I recognize that totally. I get that. But where it has been in the societies in which it has been most faithfully applied historically, are generally going to be the better places to live. Yeah, they just are. Like to, they just are. Like and and that is the common denominator. People people want to can argue about it till the cows come home, but like but it it just it just is right. Like which which Korea do you want to live in? Mm-hmm. The one that is predominantly Christian or the one that's predominantly communist? Right. Like which one? Like and 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 why is there such a disparity? Why is there such a difference between those two communities? Right. Well, it's because the the predominant the prominent worldview is is based on different founding documents, and one is scripture, and one is a communist manifesto, or some some corruption of that turned into whatever, however the the Kim's rule, right? Yeah. Like so, I just think too that like it's beautiful in the sense that like it's improved our lives, 
It's improved our societies. Like it's made tangible benefits, right? Like there was one, one religious group that eventually much later than they should have, but that eventually chose to begin to ban slavery. And it was the ones who based their life on the Bible, right? Like, yeah. I, and again, like you're not supposed to say those things nowadays because it seems it's, it's, it's painted as being, I don't know, superior, you know, acting like we're, we're culturally superior or whatever that is. But, but like, it's just true. Like, it's just, it's just how it is. And that's a beautiful thing. The free society, free societies arose out of Christian societies. They did. So that's what it is. Yeah. And so I would say it's, it's how it resonates with that underlying truth. So moving Mm it, moving it away from, from physics and string theory Mm -hmm. into music. Okay. Right. Music works within scales, and whether a note is a right or a wrong note mm. is always in relation to the root in that scale. So, mm-hmm. for instance, if a song is in the key of E, some people like to do things I, in the key of E. Some, some of us do. Right? Everything that is a right note is within a, a variation but within the scale of the key of E, mm-hmm. there are specific notes, mm-hmm. right? So if you, you're in the key of E and you want to play an E, perfect. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. It just sort of resonates together. You want to play an F sharp, that's fine, mm-hmm. right? That's the minor second yeah. as a chord. Yep. Um, and so it's going to bring a different kind of a mood, but it, it does work within it. Mm-hmm. You want to play an E flat, that's the seven. Uh, it's going to work. You want to play an F, it's going to be weird. Yeah, it's not going to work. Right? Well. And you're going to have dissonance. And if you want to create dissonance, then you still need to know the scale mm-hmm. because you need to know which notes to avoid. Mm. And you're going to play that, and that's when you're going to go, ooh, that was weird. And sometimes mm-hmm. musicians like to do... We, we had a song last yeah, week, we did. even we did. that we did, that, that did this exact same thing. And... And musicians will use that to create a moment of, whoa, what was that? That mm-hmm. was weird. Mm-hmm. Because it stepped out of right. the, the scale and the pattern of norm. And so when we look at those things in society that, that are in line with Scripture, mm. we are going to see things flow mm-hmm. when they intentionally or unintentionally step outside of that, we are going to see dissonance, mm-hmm. right? And and that's where a, a, a truth, that's where the concept of a truth resonating across time and cultures mm. is, is such a, a beautiful thing, mm. right? That if we can, if we can find our place inside of that mm. and be moving with that story then we are in a place of how things should be mm. and it's going to be better for us it's better for the story and everyone around us mm-hmm. and i just see that as a, a really incredible thing and i think mm. everyone does mm-hmm. I, I think there's probably like we don't we don't have people that hate us listening to us, right? Like no, they that happens long ago. That happens in big time media things, sure, right? Yeah. Uh, where people do it just so that they can hate on it 
mm-hmm. nobody cares, right? Um, but if if someone was presented this argument who was hyper individualistic and was like, no, I want to write my own story, mm-hmm. I want to go do my own thing, mm-hmm. their argument would eventually turn around, and I want other people to be able to do that too. Mm. And that's the kind of society I want to live in, mm-hmm. which is then just a different version mm-hmm. of everyone resonating to a common understanding. Mm-hmm. It's just a dissonant note. Mm-hmm. They just want to change the key of the song. Mm-hmm. They still want the song. Mm-hmm. They just want to change the key. Right. <laughs> right? And, and so, so they still want for that Mm-hmm. common thing that goes through uh, society as an ideal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as what is right and what is harmonious. Mm. They just want it to be not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. No, that's, that's really insightful. Um, we're getting close to an hour here, but I got a couple other things that, sure. That I just want to talk to you about, about, well, so a couple things in regards to scripture, just the idea of how, what it includes, much of what it includes, and in a lot of the things that that we kind of look to in Scripture that help us provide, help us get a framework for our existence, come in symbols and metaphors, right? Which, um, I, again, I don't think obscure the truth, but actually provide a deeper sense of truth, right? I mean, I'm talking about the basic stuff like God being our Father, and us his children or Christ being the good shepherd and we his sheep or him being the vine and us the branches, right? Um, Or other symbols and things that we see throughout scripture that help provide a degree of context, right? Like, so how we might understand something like vine and branches now might be different than how it was understood a couple thousand years ago because of, but it's, it's kind of these, these images, these metaphors that transcend time and culture that, that have been provided to us in scripture, right? So, yeah, so like, by different, we... you don't mean categorically different. No, I just mean like, I mean like in the, in the application of them, in this kind of, in how, in some, in some degrees, right? So like, if we think of like, he vine and branches, like for a society where like, vineyards were everywhere, people were like, okay, I can understand vine and branches, like what you're connected to. Whereas if you live in a concrete jungle. Yeah. So, 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 but then, but then, okay. So like even in our modern context, like what are you connected to? Like when we think of connection, we think of the internet, right? So what is it that you're taking in? Like, what are you connected Mm -hmm. to? Right? Like what, what is the source of where you're getting things, truth from and entertainment from and everything else. Right. And like, we understand that what we take in Right, as kind of people on the edges, what we we're, we're taking in from kind of the various streams of whatever is going to impact who we are and and what how we're formed as individuals. And so, like, you can take that metaphor and you can connect it to a different cultural reality. the 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 truth is being Christ. That's right. always there. That's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But like these these. There, the, the beauty of metaphor and symbols and images we find in scripture is that they can kind of transcend the cultural bound. You have to under, you should, you should do the work to understand the cultural framework of what there is. Like if you want to understand the idea of a good shepherd, like take some time and read an article on what it meant to be a shepherd. Sure. Right. Yep. In, in the ancient world and what was involved in that and how that might connect to biblical truths. But like, yeah, there's, so there's, there's, there's some, there's some beauty to that, I think. Um, that right? universal application of a yeah, metaphor. Yeah, yeah, because it transcends culture. It transcends, you know, uh, our context, right? Like, I mean, think of all, think of 
these like unreached people groups in Papua New Guinea, like they believe the same things about Jesus that you and I do. Mm-hmm. And they're like everything about their lives is totally different than ours. At least culturally, right? And and on this on the social level, right? Like just like wildly, wildly different, right? All these people groups who've come to know Christ, right? And so like the truth, like one beautiful thing about scripture is like how it can be applied, you know, across across the bounds, right? Like I was I made a joke the other day because we were we were playing worship music at the front of the church and uh I was wearing these like flip flops and they were uncomfortable. So I slipped them off and I was barefoot on the stage. Not during the Sunday service, but at least I think I kept him on during the Sunday service. But it was like a different event. But I was like, and I looked over at my dad who was standing next to me and I said, you know, it's interesting that me taking off my shoes in this context would be might be seen as being disrespectful. But when Moses was at the burning bush, God said, take off your sandals mm-hmm. because this is holy ground, right? And in some contexts, like to take your shoes off when you go into someone's house is like, whoa, like, no, keep your shoes on. What are you doing? But otherwise, like even in between Canada and the States, right? Yeah, like yeah, in yeah. a lot of parts of the US, like you keep your shoes on in the house. You don't in Canada. Don't keep your shoes on in my house. Take your shoes off, right? Usually because you're tracking in like snow and slush and whatever right, else. Right. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? So, but 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 the, but the truth of scripture kind of transcends that. And it's just beautiful in the way that it does. In a way that like resonates with all different cultures. Right, these wildly different cultures where, like, we're not going to agree on what what food tastes good. We're not going to agree on what movies or music is good. Like, we're going to be totally separated on all of that. But the gospel, which I know is a, a separate episode, so I don't want to give too much away. But that resonates across right these these cultural bounds, yeah. and that that's beautiful because it is it is the underlying truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is the root node in the key. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's yeah, so that's that's a huge thing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention too is um, we mentioned how like the Psalms in particular are are artistic, are, are recognized as being artistic in expression. But I love how you know Paul in his epistles, which are much more kind of logical argumentation, right? This is what's going on. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to think. This is what you need to believe. He leans on the Psalms so heavily mm-hmm. as the like foundation for what is true. Right, so um, I found this quote it says in in the Psalms, doctrine is a work of art. I I don't know who said it, but I I found that came across that quote, and it was just like, yeah, like that's cool. Like that within Scripture, we see the theological truth being being articulated beautifully, right? And Paul picks up on that. He leans heavily on song lyrics and poetry to make these like logical argumentation to like refute heresy and and you know wrong thinking and all those sort types of things right that that scripture is set up that way is i think fantastic um Mm -hmm. yeah the very last thing i've got for you tim because i wanted to bounce this off you before okay so and this is i think this you know this is connected to to a a a short passage in james but what what separates us from the demons. You know, what separates us from Satan when it comes to scripture? Are you going with, I, uh, you believe, but even the demons, even the believe. demons believe and they tremble. Yeah. 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 You say the Lord is one, even the demons know and they shudder. Right. So we see, you know, from stories like the story of, of Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, uh, the devil is a theologian. 
And in some ways, at least on a I understand what is true level, Satan is more orthodox than the vast majority of Christians, maybe all of them, maybe mm-hmm. us included. Sure, sure. Like he sure. understands things on a doctrinal level. He understands the Trinity better than you and I do. He he has seen he has seen it where we have read about. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So okay. So so then, what is different in our approach to the whole like the truth of Scripture? What is uh, the the written word of God? What is what separates us from the demons? And it's this: is that he knows what's true, right? The difference is he hates it. He doesn't find it beautiful. Mm-hmm. He doesn't find it valuable. And that's the biggest difference, right? So I think for us as believers, it's it it needs to be more. And like I get it. Like I'm I'm a good Baptist. Like we need to wrap our heads around doctrine. Doctrine matters. We need to understand God's word. Mm-hmm. We got to know it. We got to you know acknowledge that it's true. Believe it. All that stuff. But like. If we're not finding it beautiful, then how is our theology all that different from Satan himself? Yeah, and and you know what? I I, I would take this into—I I would personally take this into degrees that I would never impose on other people. Okay. Right? I think that the truth of Scripture is uh, greater— than its media of con of uh, expression. Okay. So yeah. that is to say, whether it's written on a papyrus scroll, whether it has become a codex, whether it is paper bound or leather bound or on your phone digital. Yeah. The truth is what matters most. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, I think that there is at least within me. Mm-hmm. I would I would argue probably not, but I'm going to say at least within me to be gracious, mm. something of a difference in how that medium is delivered. Okay, and I think valuing the object of delivery itself, mm. the pages and the binding, valuing them as a beautiful thing. Mm also affects the way that I receive its content. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. So so that isn't to say that those people who read paperback Bibles don't love them as much as those people who read <laughs> hand, goat, goat skin. handmade, goat-skinned, <laughs> leather-bound Bibles from uh, the Netherlands. <laughs> like... Some of us do. Yeah. Um, like one of us does. Well, not just, Hess has a Skylar too. Does he really? Yeah. What a nerd. Love you. Love you, Hess. Um, but but there's there's something about that tactile beauty, mm-hmm. immediate mm-hmm. beauty, that has at least an opportunity that scrolling doesn't. Mm. Right. Yeah, true. I true. scroll a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. I don't receive that trash in leather bound copy. I agree. <laughs> right? And and I <laughs> That's a good point. I think that I, I for me at least mm. I see this as as a grounding thing. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate the use of a bible. Right? Mm-hmm. Um you'll never you'll never catch me unless unless it was like a very last minute or an oops I forgot. Mm-hmm. Like people go up to do a devotional reading or whatever, and they whip out their phone. Sure, I I just can't. 
yeah phone my phone like doesn't even stay in my pocket it's like mm-hmm. in another mm-hmm. room yeah. yeah um i want the physical thing in front of me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because i it just it's more meaningful to me yeah i get that and it more connects to the ancient nature mm-hmm. of the story mm-hmm. um i i had i spent some time uh, in my undergrad, I've got a lot of training in in literature mm-hmm. from a secular university, so I am very adept with the the postmodern uh, literary criticism, the notion that the meaning belongs to the reader and not to the author. Right. Yeah. Um, I also have always believed that that's garbage. Yeah, it's right? trash. Like, that can only assume that the authors are monkeys at a typewriter <laughs> throwing out <laughs> letters, and the real scholars are those people who bring it in. It Have makes no sense it, at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's not just poetry. They would say the same is true with, with Everything. prose as well. Yeah. Uh, there, There is... That is a very modern thought. Mm-hmm. And it is across. It, it might feel like a prevailing thought mm. for now, but across the span of human history, it's a blink. Yeah. Right. And and even even inside of scripture, you have the argument: How do we know to trust this God because He is of old? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and that idea of connecting to a truth that has always been. Man, it's it's such a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. and holding your Bible in such a way as to say this thing mm-hmm. is that, right? Yeah, this thing is that that truth that runs that grounding note mm-hmm. that establishes the key, um, the string. Mm-hmm. This is this is that. I I think helps us to read the Bible in a different way that isn't just sort of, well, what does this mean for my day today? Mm. I'm going to open up my Bible and hopefully there's something in it for me today. Right. Right? Yeah. We're not cooking with microwaves here. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, this is, this is crockpot theology. Mm-hmm. Right? It has been slow and steady and time-tested. And the product is greater. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, rather than something just recently cooked up, untested, untried. Who cares? Sounds good, feels good. We'll <laughs> run with it. Right. See what happens. Kind of a thing. The right. the beauty, the beauty that all of these fictional writers chase of finding that that purity. Mm. That bastion of truth, mm-hmm. that ancient thing that has always been and connects all the way through these themes that run through so much of our literature because it's just something that they know an audience is going to resonate with. Right. I've got like 12 of those in my office. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That thing, we hold that thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's far more beautiful than just preferring ancient opinions to modern day thought. Yeah, agreed. And and to allow people to make the argument from that position is to give them an unwarranted 
place in in the discussion because that's just not what it is mm-hmm. anything else all right then thanks for listening this podcast is a resource of memorial baptist church of stratford ontario in cooperation with the gospel coalition of canada it's produced by alex walker see you next time